in his first A.B. in a Padres uniform, hits a grand slam. Why? Because he's in. Slam Diego. And making the Rockies feel dreary right about now. Nice, short, quick swing. <laughs> Courtesy of the ESPN. <clears throat> um... <laughs> They're going to have a lot of fun covering that team. That was Brandon Drury's for You remember Brandon Drury, former Blue Jay? How can we forget? Non-vax dude. He was a guy that wasn't up here when the Reds came up here. Um, first at bat, I mean, uh, as a member of the San Diego Padres who you know, essentially traded. They, I mean, they got everybody at the trade deadline. They, they, they acquired every player out there for the most part, mm. uh, except for uh, Mitch White. They acquired every player at the trade deadline. Pretty much. And it was all about Juan Soto yesterday, which is to be... What are you laughing at? It's all about Juan Soto yesterday, which is to be expected, but Brandon Drury having an impact as well. And, of course, they got Josh Bell. I mean, like I said, they basically got... Uh, they basically got everybody. And, uh, well, they'll get Fernando Tatis Jr. back at some oh. point, too. And then... I don't know. Then no, it's going it's have... to come down to pitching. You know that. Pitch, yeah. Pitching when it matters the most. Can they, can they do enough to give that offense a chance to figure out that other guy. That's what it's all about. The big league level, that starting pitcher's got to be good enough to face about 12 batters. That's about right. 12 batters of the other team just to give his really, really good lineup a chance to figure it out. They, um, they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. They had a sellout at that, that ballpark, which is just, I if you know, people always ask me they put together wish lists of places to go to cover baseball or to to see baseball and um, at some point you do have to make a, a Southern California trip at some point you have to go to Dodger Stadium uh, and you definitely have to go to San Diego yeah, San Diego have you been to the new one I played in the uh, yeah, old one I've been to the new one the first I've been to the new one a couple of times covered the World Baseball Classic at the new one which may have, may have been one of the best weeks I've had in the business because it was. It's just such a great area. I mean, it's it's in the gas, the gas light or the gas lamp area, as they call it. It's right across the, the, the city train tracks from the water. It's just, it's spectacular. It's such a good ballpark. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, when you get into the park, it's just, the the vibe is amazing. And it's, it's, it's going to be something. Like the first Padres-Dodgers series this year, especially now that the Giants are kind of down, the Padres-Giants or the Padres-Dodgers series post-Soto is going to be spectacular. Well, they need to figure out how to get home field advantage. You know, you don't want to go face the Braves in Atlanta. Uh, yeah, well, we'll see how hmm. we'll see how that works out. The Dodgers are still awfully good. Let's bring in Tony Gwynn Jr., Padres radio analyst. Tony, thanks so much for joining Kevin Barker and myself. Uh, boy, that was, I, I just say that was quite a, Quite a trade deadline for the Padres. At at some point, did you almost want to yell, just stop? (laughs) You know, know, just stop no more? Well, no. Uh, Nobody was yelling stop at this point. You you have to set the context up of of really of how the trade deadline went last year. Hmm. And um, losing out when it was reported that Max Scherzer was on his way to San Diego only to find out the Dodgers had swooped in and not only gotten Max Scherzer, but also swiped Trey Turner in the deal. And um, it really, if you remember, the Padres played really horrible from that point on. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward to this year, I just think A.J. Preller wasn't going to 
wasn't going to miss. He wasn't going to come out empty-handed. And uh, he did more than just not come out empty-handed. He got the biggest prize that was out there in Juan Soto. And he found a way to get Josh Bell and then had the sneaky move of getting Brandon Drury. And last night was about as electric as I've ever seen Petco Park uh from opening pitch on, it was uh, it was it was pretty heavy last night. What, what, what's the uh, expectations of when Tatis Jr. is coming back? He's, he, he very well likely could go on rehab assignment at the end of this week, um, and you know from there it's just a matter of how he feels playing the game. You know, it's one thing when you have a wrist injury; it's one thing to get to the point where you're swinging a bat, but you know it, with his game. I mean, you, there's a lot more than just swinging a bat. I mean, this guy plays, you know, full tilt at all time. And, um, you know, they got to make sure – he's got to make sure he's ready to go. But, I mean, he could be back in the next two, maybe two and a half weeks um, and, and ready to roll. So, uh, everybody's anticipating that. Um, he's only going to make this lineup more potent once he comes back. And uh, it, it certainly is setting up the way the Padres have started to play. Um, setting up to be a, a good second half for him. Who, who do you think gets Soto more pitches to hit? Would it be Tatis Jr. hitting in front of him or Machado hitting behind him or both? That That's the beauty of this whole thing is that Bob Melvin is going to have – his pen is, is going to run out of ink the amount of lineups he can play with uh, with these guys that he has now. I mean, you could argue uh, that – Soto can do some protecting for Manny. I mean, Manny has been the protector ever since he got here. And um, you can almost find an argument where putting Soto behind him makes this lineup as as lethal as possible. But listen, there's not a bad choice, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. I I would say Manny's probably the better protector for talking, putting behind Soto. Um, But again, I mean, that's, that's option one, a versus one B versus one C. So, uh, a lot of options, how Bob Melvin approaches it, I think it remains to be seen. But last night it was Manny Machado hitting behind Juan Soto. With these new acquisitions, you're bringing a lot of big personalities in, a lot of new personalities as well. Now, I'm look, I'm sure guys know each other, guys talk to each other at the All-Star game. They may share agents, things of that nature. So it's not like, these, it's not like there's an unknown. But... Tony, when you bring all those personalities into a clubhouse, is there ever a concern about how the guys in there are already are, are going to react, especially given the fact that, you know, we're led to believe that Eric Hosmer was a pretty important part of the of, of sort of the clubhouse dynamic in San Diego, and, and he's not there anymore? Yeah, no, no doubt. There, there, there's definitely a concern there, but I think that is where the hire of Bob Melvin comes in. Um, an experienced manager... Uh, a manager who's dealt with personalities before. Um, and I think, you know, the learning experience of dealing with the deadline last year, I think comes into play too for, for the guys who are already in the locker room. Certainly Haas was, uh, was as good of a leader as, as this team has had. Um, and he, he certainly, his presence will be missed, but when you're fighting, when you're, when your goal is to win a world series, mm sometimes you got to look at the bigger picture. And, and I think that's where this team is, is that although they're going to lose a guy who they love dearly, uh, the likes of getting Soto, Bell, and, and Drury, 
I think kind of trumped that. And I, and I think this team is at a place specifically with their manager that they can absorb some of that, that, that concern. And, and ultimately, you know, when you go out and you win games, that's a, that's a bandaid for everything. Yeah. Tony, Tony, it's all about pitching. Yeah. Alec Manoa here is the guy that they need to get, you know, continue to, to turn the corner and be the guy. Is there a guy for the Padres that you think just has to take the bull by the horns and, and run with it to lead them to where they want to go? I mean, it's a, it's a coin flip. It could, it's you, Darvish, or Joe Musgrove. I mean, and they've been they've been the bulldogs in this rotation all year. I think, though, honestly, the wild card in terms of pitching is make Blake Snell and Mike Clevenger. Mm. Those two guys, uh, Clevenger has, has you know coming off of Tommy John has had a bunch of start stops in his season. He's starting to get into a rhythm. His last four starts, and Blake Snell, who for whatever reason has struggled since coming to San Diego, specifically in the first half of the season, um, has started to get it rolling, rolling as well. So, listen, if you, if you're talking about a, a rotation of you, Darvish, Joe Musgrove, a a good Mike Clevenger, a good Blake Snell, and and a Sean Manaya at the back end, I mean, you can really toggle those guys um, outside of Musgrove and Darvish. And feel pretty good about how good your team is. Team is the Padres lead the league in, in, in quality starts, and that's been a big difference compared to last year, where the bullpen was really neck and neck with how many innings the starters were going across during the course of the season. Tony, if you're picking for Game Three, you got your first two game starters. Game Three out of those names you just mentioned, which one you picking? Oh man, um, I would say Blake Snell. Ooh. I would say Blake Snell right now. He's been he's been that good the last three starts, and, and, and you know, as I said, you could go you could also go Mike Clevenger, but sure. I just think when Blake Snell is throwing strikes, there are there really isn't very many pitchers with better stuff pound for pound than Blake Snell. His problems are when he's not throwing strikes and he's walking guys, and he becomes predictable. Uh, it, it makes it easier for the hitter, but when he's when he's throwing strikes. And that's how good his stuff is. He doesn't even have to necessarily locate it. He just needs to throw strikes as he has the last three starts, and, and, and it's going to be trouble for, for whatever team takes gets the Padres should they make the playoffs. Tony, what happened to Denelson Lamette? Well, I think a couple of things happened to Denelson. He, he got hurt, and, and I really think that that took some time for him to, to trust his arm again. You know, when, when you have an elbow injury – like he had, um, it's not easy for everybody just to go out and cut it loose. It, 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 I think it took him a lot more time than most to, to trust his arm and, and let it go. Um, and, you know, along with that, the team's process sped up, right? I mean, this team got really good. And now you go from a team that can kind of wait and, and, and let you kind of figure things out to a team that is, is, has a window now that they're trying to win. And listen, when that happens at the big league level, uh, there will be guys that kind of fall to the wayside. And, and unfortunately for Denelson, who, who really is a class act the way he he he, he prepares himself and, and and deals with the media, um, it, it just it, it's just the way the game goes. He kind of fell by the wayside. He became less of a priority. And um, I think the Padres uh, did a, they they had to move on at that point. How does Josh Hader? Help the bullpen. He solidifies the back end. Uh, Taylor Rogers was really good in the first half. 
but really had kind of lost the feel for, for his specifically his slider. And um, when you get into this time of year, you got to make sure you have a, a solid closer at the back end. And Josh Hader, although he had a rough July, uh, for the last three years, this, is, this has been the guy. Um, you go when you went into Milwaukee. You wanted to make sure you had a lead when you got late in the game, so you didn't have to see him. And uh, he he definitely solidifies the back end of the bullpen that's already, you know, dealing with a, a, a seven inning, a six inning game because of the way the starters have pitched uh, all season. I, it's such an advantage for the Padres to have a guy like him at the back end. Okay. What separates the, the Padres are still, I think, 11 and a half back from the Dodgers. How close are they to the Dodgers now? Very I know it's, 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 it's hard to tell. Obviously, we need to see them go head to head. But, but Tony, how, how close are they to the Dodgers now? Listen, they're much closer. They, they, they are, are much closer to them than, than I think they've ever been. But listen, ultimately, it's about what happens on the field. And to this point, the Padres have not proven that they are better than the Dodgers. And I know they haven't played them with this set of set of guys that they have now, but um, you know, that's the, that's the, the team that sits atop of the throne right now in, in the national league West. They're, uh, they're still a boatload of games ahead. I think it's 11 and a half. And, and listen, if I'm not saying they won't close that gap, cause I think the Padres will close at that, but that's a lot of ground mm-hmm. to make up between now and the end of the season. Uh, I think the God Padres first goal is, is really trying to catch the Braves so they can get home field advantage. Not that the Padres are, are, really afraid of Braves. They've handled them well at, at their place and in San Diego. But, you know, the playoffs is a, is a different monster. And so um, they're, they're much closer to catching the Braves than they are the Dodgers. You, you just kind of kind of take them off one at a time. The Braves are first up on that, on that list. It should be at least. Tony, really good of you to join mm-hmm. us today. Thanks so much, man. Terrific insight Thank as always. You, Tony. Be well. No problem. You guys have a good week. Have you fun. <clears throat> Tony Gwynn, Jr., Padres radio analyst. It's got to be fun for Slam him too. Slam Diego. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and, and I wonder too because uh, his, you know, his his father, uh, of course, Hall of Famer Tony Gwynn, Mister Mister Padre, Mister San Diego Sports. I, I think San San Diego State University Stadium is named after him. I believe. I, it's got to be something for him to see what's going on there too. Now, just just to kind of uh, to realize how important his dad was to that city and. You know, and 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 getting that stadium built, and it's got to be kind of cool for the for the Gwynn family to see the Padres doing what they're doing right now. No, no question. He he mentioned Bob Melvin too about you know mixing around the lineup. Would you do that? Like 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 when Tatis Jr. comes back and goes on his little rehab assignment, however many games he goes down there and shows everybody that he's healthy enough to play every day at shortstop. I mean, if if he comes back, do you get four guys in a room? Three guys in a room. Where do you want to hit, or is it okay? This is the guy that protects this guy because it's about if you go to get Soto. I mentioned this about the Blue Jays. You know, Soto would only make sense. Obviously, he's a great hitter and he makes sense for everybody. But it would help a lot if Vladdy was being Vladdy of last year. That protection thing, where you're trying to get that dude as many good pitches to hit so you can maximize what he does to its fullest, or is it you just? I think it's write the names down, and that's where they're going to hit. Yeah, I don't think you get too cute. Don't overthink it. I don't think you you get too cute. Uh, I you know, I think, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how those guys are wired. I would I would think that if you have a priority, yeah, you, 
you almost, I don't know if I'd say you owe it to Manny Machado, but I think you need to know, you need to keep in mind that Manny's been the guy who's held the fort with the Tatis injury. Sure. You know, he's, I think you owe, again, I hate using that word, but I do think you kind of owe some sort of a, a dialogue with Manny as to how, as to where he would want to hit. But, you know, look, those guys are all motivated, man. They all want to win a World Series. You know, they they really do. Guys like, guys like, uh, like, like Tatis and those guys, they, they want to win a World Series. Um, you know, it's funny, Tony was talking about Blake Snell, and just as he was talking, sure. they flashed Blake Snell's stats up there in the last four games. I, I would imagine there might be no more motivated guy than Blake Snell because of that being pulled out of that game in the World Series by the by the Tampa Bay Rays in the game he was a starter and Kevin Cash pulled him out. I just think there's a there's a ton of motivation on this group in this group, and I think as a result of that they would um, they'll kind of go go with the flow. And the other thing we know about Bob Melvin his reputation he is a great he is a very he is. good communicator. He is a he he is a really 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 solid communicator. He's well liked by his players. More than that, he is well respected by his players. I don't think that would be an issue. The only issue I saw with this with Eric, was Eric Hosmer, right? And once you got Eric Hosmer, sure. once Eric Hosmer was moved out of the clubhouse, not that he's a bad guy, no, 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 but, but but he's you, the odd guy out. Yeah, and it's a good thing when the odd guy out is is out. I mean, it just is. Sure. I think that removes a lot of the, um, you know, a lot of the the uh, uh, sort of the, the pressure in the manager. And something several people pointed out as well, we'll, we'll maybe talk to Josh, uh, to Jeff <clears throat> Passan about this when he comes on. Josh Bell is also a clubhouse guy. Yeah, I, they, there are guys who do have the reputation sure. for being clubhouse guys. He's a really good player too, he's a, he's which a helps really good, a lot. Which means that when he says stuff and when he does stuff, no question. people will listen to him. So I, I, I think that'll be, that'll be fine. Now where it gets interesting when you have a team like that is, you know, I'm just looking at the standings. They're 11 and a half behind the Dodgers. So clearly their, their target, they're, they're, they're like the Blue Jays. Their target is getting home field advantage for the playoffs. But what if you're chasing a real good team in Atlanta? And what if you're doing all this stuff and you're just not, you know, you're not cutting into that lead. Maybe in three weeks' time, you look up and the Dodgers are nine and a half ahead of you and the Braves are still ahead of you. That's when I think it gets kind of interesting. Uh, there's, it's, it's really important that, this, that the Padres go on a roll right away because if they, if they play around 500 the rest of the way. For me, I, just, I, I think you got to worry about getting in the playoffs jailed together you have a lot of new pieces you have some really great pieces who are going to fit in in any lineup but you got to jail a little bit you got to know how that guy attacks his at bats you got to know you know sort of the the way the approaches are you want a, a collection of a bunch of really good players all on the same page you want bob melvin to understand mm -hmm. his players so you're trying to get to know all that stuff that clubhouse thing if you want to throw that in there you throw that in there too it just seems like soto Bale, they're good people. You can tell that. They're liked. They're going to fit in right away. And now it's just performance-driven. You go yeah. out there, you do your job. You know now that because you got the horses to add up to all the best teams in baseball, now it's just going out there and actually doing it. And I, I don't know if, if home field ad advantage matters that much, but I bet it can't hurt. Yeah, I've, I've kind of wondered about that. You know, depending on the 
Astros, Yankees, I do think it matters. Braves, Padres, does it matter? I don't. Yeah, that's my point. I don't know mm. about the Braves. You won a World Series. I don't know. Does you're it, a good. You're a good team. Matter? You know, you can play on the road and at home. Yeah, and and seems like the Padres feel the same way. I don't know. I mean, I would be lying if I said that I paid a great deal of attention to to the ballparks uh, in in the in the National League. Uh, but I, I'm kind of with you. I think home field advantage, home field advantage, is really pronounced with the Yankees and the Astros because of the dimensions of their ball of their ballpark and because of the way their teams are are built. I don't think. I think we've gone beyond the narrative that home field is advantage. Home field advantage is important because of the emotional lift it gives you. I don't think that's a factor anymore shouldn't say anymore. I don't I've never thought that's as much of a factor as how do your hitters profile compared to the the park you're playing in. That to me is where the home field or who, who has a a better collection of or pitchers. Who, All right, that, for me it's always the guy standing right. on the mound. If he can shut down the, the old saying the way is, it is good now, pitching always beats good hitting. Yeah, you can play in the biggest it's never going to change. You can play in the biggest ballpark in the world, but if you're throwing 96 mile an hour cookies Locate down the middle, that, balls that are going to unpredictable. All the things that go into being good. It's go, it's now it's interesting. The National League all of a sudden has got multiple teams who could win the World Series. The Padres, you'd be surprised if they won the World Series. Not the now, Braves, no. you'd be surprised if they nope. won the World Series. Obviously, the Dodgers. They could win the World Series. Mets, the Brewers. Mets wouldn't the surprise Mets me. Now the all of Brewers. A sudden, right, the, the Brewers got to have some things fall the yeah, right way. They have to have. But they got some good pitching. They they can make it hard on some good teams, yeah. at least. And the Cardinals, I mean, I. I yeah, I see the for Cardinals me the Cardinals, the Cardinals are, right, yeah, but, right. Do they, do they have the horses? But, yeah, I, listen, I think I think between, look, between L.A., San Diego, the Braves, and the Mets that, no, it wouldn't surprise me if if any of those four won the National League and and went on to win the World Series. And I don't think it should surprise anybody. I still, I know you're all in in the Mets, and boy, Jacob Degrom looked good. Cool. But there's something, there's something about the Mets I don't trust, and that is just a complete. I have no idea what it is. I think the Braves will beat them in a series. I think San Diego beats them in a series. I think L.A. beats them in a series. N- no clue why that is. I, I, I just, yeah, I, I just, I don't have as much confidence in the Mets as, as, as a lot of people do. Well, DeGrom and Scherzer give you a lot of confidence. And if you're a Mets fan and you got those two guys, now I know in a seven-game series, they can only pitch so much. But, man, if you're an opposing lineup, that puts a lot of pressure on that opposing team's pitcher to try and match that. I'm, I, this is what I said to you. You That – it's regular season two. You you know some Blue Jays when they have good games. It's the starting pitcher oh, for the Jays pitcher, allows yeah. the lineup for the Blue Jays to figure out that other team's pitcher. And, and somebody blooping a bomb, runs into one, gets back-to-back hits, whatever it is, but that's what that starting pitcher's job is, to allow your lineup to figure out and have quality at-bats in a row to score some runs that way. Playoffs no different. It's just it's magnified more. So now all of a sudden – you got you got some really good teams, some really good pitching, and some good managers who are going to have to think it through. And I do think the manager not so much in regular season because if you got a better team, better talent, 162 game marathon, you're normally going to come out ahead. But that taking the ball from the starter 
to whoever you're giving the ball to, because most of the teams that matter that have a chance have that eighth and ninth inning solidified. It's mm-hmm. the middle inning. That's where the manager comes into play, and I do think that matters in, in the playoffs, and that's where you're going to see that. Yeah, and I like I I really like the way Brian Snitker used his used his bullpen last year. Well, yeah, the, the big three yeah. were that were hot. I mean, I don't. No offense to to Brian. A lot of managers could go, okay, get me to the fifth. I got a sixth inning guy, and now the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, I don't really care who's up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring in the seventh, eighth, ninth, ninth inning guy because they can just dominate whoever's hitting. If you are the Minnesota Twins and the Jays start a four-game series against the Twins tonight in Minnesota, uh, and we'll have this discussion with Jeff Passon when he joins us as well. You've got to be looking around, and you know, the Cleveland Guardians – didn't do anything of consequence. And I'm not certain that surprises me, but the Guardians are still, they're, they're close. They're like a game out. Mm-hmm. But they didn't do anything of consequence. Uh, the Chicago White Sox are just, they didn't either. And, I, you know, the White Sox are... Health issues, and if they get healthy, puzzling. they think because of that division they play in. They're, I mean, I mean, they're they're a dumb team. I mean, they're, they're, only, they're, just, they're only two games out, Jeff. They're run, they're run like a dumb team. The White Sox, they really are. Hmm. Uh, th- there's, yeah, they're just dumb. I, dumb strong. I think if they'd been healthy all year, that would have been a different story. Uh, I mean, they played up and down baseball all year because of that issue. Uh, yeah, you know, again, you, you ask the Blue Jays, if a couple of key pieces get hurt in their lineup, if Alec Manoa gets hurt, yeah, where's his team at? Like, so, yeah, you got to look at big picture. Fortunately for White Sox fans, they play in the worst division in baseball. Yeah. I mean, they, they do. It's not even close. Well, it so helps. That, that, that helps It a helps lot. when you've got, you've got two teams. You know, Detroit's implosion has really kind of turned that division into something. I, I thought it would be a I, I thought Detroit would be better. But Detroit didn't do anything. It was just it was a weird deadline. More than any other division, I thought – that was one division where you could look at all the teams. And Kansas City, who sure. the hell knows at Kansas City? But you could look at the Chicago, Cleveland, and Detroit and go, what the hell? I want to ask Jeff about Detroit. Yeah. Why? Is it just that the, what they were getting back is Pinto and not Range Rover? Because <laughs> that's what AJ said, right? Yeah. Why, why would I give that up if, 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 that up if it's not right. as good? You know, if, you if can we, always tell... <laughs> The cars that dudes drive when they do something like that. You can tell what their first car was, and you can tell what their new On car was. Right? You know, you can always do that. Some of us, you know, Honda Civic, Volkswagen. Yeah. Not much of a move up. No. AJ Hinch? <laughs> yeah. Pinto. Although, I, 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 I yeah. Pintos are old. Like, dude, I would have driven a Pinto. Pinto to Range well, you Rover. Put, you know, you, the right color, you can sell that. It's got to be the right color, Pinto. Well, that wasn't the car that with the gas tank kept exploding in the back. Was I it? That no was idea. the there was what the hell was it called? An Omni or something? There was a gas. There was a car. It was like a roundish car. I'm was, not a car guy. It was a roundish car, and they they had issues with the gas tank exploding on impact in the back, which is never a good thing. Which is never a good thing. Anyhow, Jeff Passan is ESPN's MLB insider, senior reporter. He is uh, our weekly insider. And uh, this was indeed the week for insiders, wasn't it? The MLB trade deadline on Tuesday. Lots happened. What didn't happen? That, what, what was the stuff we don't know about that would have been interesting 
or might be revisited in the offseason. Jeff Passan joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on 590-360, the Sportsnet Radio Network, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parker and I have it all figured out. Jackie Bradley Jr. ends up going to the Rays. Don't say it. He ends up going to the Rays and ends up making a tremendous catch. Ah, uh, well, you know, steal a you know he's going to do that. From the Blue Jays. He's not going to do that. Maybe steal the top spot, but not a playoff. The Rays aren't. I, I, my confidence in in the Rays going to the playoffs says I. Would not be surprised. It should be higher. It should be higher. You I, want to know why that is? I, don't, I wouldn't be surprised. Everybody, everybody on their team is hurt. That matters. Yeah, and they are in a playoff spot. But it still, I just got a feeling I can see somebody. Some I can see somebody like Cleveland sneaking up or something like that. I don't know why. Mm. Who are you? You yeah, changed. I haven't changed. Front runner. It's not. It's not. It's not the old. It's not the Rays that I've come to know and love. If they get Wander Franco back, they'll be fine. We'll be fine. If we get Wander Franco back, we'll be fine. Oh, good one. They need they need pitching back. <laughs> yeah, they do. Let's take a look at where the Twinkies are. The uh well the Guardians are only a game back in the wild card. Uh God, that is a bad division. You are kidding. Oh, it's Jesus. Terrible. It's terrible. Minnesota's fifty five and forty nine. Cleveland's fifty four and fifty. Good. The White Sox are fifty three and fifty one. That's no bueno. Yeah. That is not a uh that is not a good not a good division. New. The Jays and Twins will play the first of four games tonight from Target Field in Minnesota. Seven thirty will be the first pitch. Alec Manoa takes the hill for the Blue Jays, Sonny Gray for the Minnesota Twins, and uh Alec Manoa, of course. Uh well what are your what would your expectations be for Alec Domination, Manoa? Domination, Jeff. That's what I think. I think he's had a couple of, eh, eh. I think he's going to, I think he's going to be good. How does he regain what's missing with the slider? Is that a matter of I'm not sure. I I think it might be more fastball command, the two fastballs. He's he's relied a lot on the the two-seamer because of the four-seamer. I think if he is a little bit better with location of that and can start to, spin it a little bit more with the slider and the finish is a little bit better. It's a marathon of a season. We should expect this. Young guys go through things like this. You got to figure out routines and what's not working more than what is working. And he's, he's going through that and you're doing that in the American league East. And let's be honest expectations. Every time he goes to the mound is not to be good. It's to be the best pitcher the blue Jays have ever seen. I mean, it's so honest. Everybody you ever talked to, Ed, oh, you look at me like that. That's not, that is absolutely true. Carry our team to where we want to go 30 starts this year. No, when you've never done it before. It's a lot of expectations on it. We talk about Bo being an everyday guy hitting cleanup. Kevin Gossman was the guy they gave all the money I to. I guess. Jose Barrios was the guy they gave but all you, the money you, to. I, I, I guess. I, I, the love affair with Barrios is a lot in your corner. 
No, they gave a lot of money to, they did to give both a lot of, of those guys. They did give a lot of money. Um, I, but there's a lot of expectations with Alec Manoa when he goes to the mound to be really good. Game one of a playoff series. Who gets the ball, Jeff? Let's let's say see. you're sorry. Well, say you're sorry. You know who gets the ball. Let's see what. Let's see what. <laughs> it's we not going to be of, the Red Sox. Let's see what we see at a Val. <laughs> it's not yeah, going to be the Red Sox. All right. So there you go. All say right. Say you're sorry. I'm not. I'm not sorry. But I, you know, I'm going to be watching these next couple of starts because Alec, Alec Manoa is not. You haven't gone down this road before. You just haven't gone, and you're, you know, you're the guy that talks about the bright lights in the American League East. Now he's never done that here. He's never pitched into into September in the American League East. I mean, he did well. Let me rephrase that. That's not true. He, see, pitched, he pitched there last year. But what I'm saying see, is, I with, I, what, I, what I'm saying is, the leash with, is longer with him in a game. That for me is the bigger deal. With the expectations that he has this year is the way I would put it. He hasn't. We haven't seen him. Um, they lean on him a little bit that. more than they do other guys. Yeah. We'll see how they. We, we'll see how they manage. Sure. How they manage the workload. That uh, I've never. I have to admit, I haven't really. When you talk to people around the team, and you know what it's like when you you talk to people, there there are two things you get. You get the on-the-record stuff, and you get the off-the-record stuff. And sometimes there, there's a little bit of gray area between the on-the-record and off-the-record stuff. With Alec Manoa... I just get, don't say that. That's what I get. Well, no, From the people I talk I, to, I, just don't say that. Yeah, I, I don't get... They just don't seem concerned. I'm with you. And and I, that's great. And they obviously know more about the dude than we do. Mm-hmm. And he is a horse. But I get it. it it's odd because you, you keep waiting for somebody to say, okay, we hope it doesn't happen. But, you know, there is a chance that we may have. They don't even get that. You don't even get that. And that's would indicate to me that they really do think that this guy is he's capable of uh yeah, he's capable of maybe it's fingers crossed and they know that he did he doesn't have a choice. Yeah, I guess <laughs> maybe it, that's it. Well, if you're the Blue Jays too, I'm sure you're looking at you know, you're you're prioritizing worry points, right? And right now Kikuchi and Stripling are the two things are the two things you're worried about. Uh you know, Barrios, I think he is you know, he is what he is. He is what he is. Yeah, yeah. And um, Gossman has, you know, you do have that whole what happened down the stretch last year thing with Gossman, but I, I, I think you get the sense that he's probably got that under control this year. Looks like it. And then, as you mentioned, Alec Manoa. Alec Manoa's the guy. But, yeah, it, it is. I, I fully expected to hear from one person, at least one person in the organization, that Jeff were worried about. We're not worried about, but yeah, we're aware where the innings are with Manoa. And the answer you guys, nope, not at all. Not a concern. It would sure help if Bo could get hot again. Yeah. It would sure help if Kirky could get hot. Jeff Passan is MLB's insider. He is a national baseball writer. He's all sorts of stuff at ESPN. And uh, he's one of our regular contributors. We're very pleased that he was able to join us today. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. I know this is like, uh, th- this is one of the longest weeks uh, for you and uh, and any of the national writers, I, I I wanted I wanted to ask you was there? And I want you to give away state secrets here. Was there a deal that wasn't made that surprised you? Like a deal or a player or a pitcher that didn't move that when it, all the smoke had cleared, you said, "I just can't believe that guy didn't go someplace else." 
uh, Wilson Contreras, J.D. Right. Martinez, Carlos Rodon. Um, I mean, there were Nathan Avaldi. Like, what there happened? were a lot of guys. What happened, do you think? Was there just uh, so much bandwidth taken up by Soto? No, I don't think so, because we, we got to remember that the Cardinals toward the end really weren't players. Like I'd say over the last three days or so, it became pretty clear. Um, I, I, I said on ESPN at one point, this is going to be a Southern California production. And uh, I thought it was Dodgers or Padres. And I'll be honest, just because of the Dodgers really targeting only guys who are elite players in these sorts of deals I and their predilection for doing so, I thought that the Dodgers were going to say, you know what, forget it, throw caution to the wind, let's go win the whole damn thing. And it turns out that San Diego just had more of that instinct, but there are 27 other teams that were in the mix for everyone else. Right. So they didn't have to be focused on Soto. Right. Um, I, I think now because San Diego, Jeff was so coveted, their players were so coveted by other teams. Yeah. That did hold things up a little. San Diego was contingency planning in case it didn't get Soto. And, you know, they were talking with uh, Oakland. They were talking with the, the Cubs. They were talking with all sorts of teams and, and throwing all different iterations out there of potential deals. So, yeah, that clogged things up a little. But in the end, I'm still confused as to why on either mediocre or bad teams some of these guys didn't move. And uh, in the end, these teams just didn't come off their high prices on guys. And the market was not willing to pay for that. Yeah, the Wilson Contreras thing was really puzzling because, of course, we had the tearful goodbye and then the same thing with Correct. Ian Happ. I mean, I found what both Chicago teams did. Mm. I, I don't know. I you know The White Sox didn't do anything, and I don't know if that's a reflection of their minor league system or what it is. But, yeah, I, I found the inaction of both of those teams really puzzling. And if I'm the Minnesota Twins fan, I, I, I'm very happy. Yes, I thought the Twins. Uh, I thought the Twins rescued themselves because after they didn't get Castillo and Montas, I was like, "Are they really going to let the Central Division slip away?" Because you kind of knew Cleveland wasn't going to do anything because mm-hmm. Cleveland pretty much never does anything, and you kind of thought that the White Sox weren't going to do anything because they've just stunk all year. They've just been so incredibly disappointing. So you figured, like, the lane was there for the Twins to go down. And I honestly, the the one to me that sticks out the most, and this isn't even on the Giants, I think, as much as it is the contending teams, someone should have paid for Carlos Rodon. Mm-hmm. I, I really, really think Carlos Rodon is a – true frontline starter. He's better than Luis Castillo. He's better than Frankie Montas. He's better than everyone not named Juan Soto who got moved. And, and I understand, listen, there's a potential poison pill in there, right? If he gets hurt, he's got a $22 million player option that he can go and take. And you run the risk of, uh, you know, paying a guy $22 million next year for, potentially no production, but he's been healthy all year long. His stuff is great. 
And best of all, I don't know if you've noticed this about him. He does the the Verlander thing where his velocity jumps later in games. Yep. Mm. Like he's throwing harder at the end of games than he is at the beginning. And let me tell you something. When I'm looking for a guy in the playoffs, that's the sort of dude I want. I want someone who's going to go out there and not only be able to sustain, but to get even better in the late innings third time around. And uh, there aren't many guys out there who have that capability. Are you surprised the Jays didn't do more? We're done with it. Looked awfully good with the Jays. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh... A lot of guys would have looked awfully good with the Jays. Uh, um, I surprised a little bit yeah a little bit um i i honestly i i've gotten such mixed reviews on the bass and pop for groshan's trade the night before it happened one gm said to me groshan's is not good anymore and the day of the trade when i brought that to a scout who's seen him plenty uh, he said, I'm stunned that Miami got Groshans for two relievers. So that's one of those trades where it's going to be interesting to, to see how that turns out. We won't know for a couple of years, mm-hmm. but the, the, the drop in power has been alarming. Like that, that's a potentially really problematic thing. And I, I thought Anthony Bass particularly was a really good pickup by the Jays. He's been phenomenal this year. And when you take him and you put him in with Garcia and with Simber and with Romano, it's pretty good. Um, but they they needed a starter. I'm not sure that Mitch White is that guy. And they didn't need a bat as much as they did, say, a month ago. But I'm still surprised they didn't go out and get some. Even, even a platoon-type guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Whit Merrifield, at this point, uh, don't know what he is getting paid seven plus million dollars next year. So he's not cheap. Uh, and we have no idea if he's going to play at all. Right. Jeff, Jeff, that was the confounding and puzzling part of that trade. There has been no confirmation from Whit Merrifield that he is going to get vaccinated. And even if he is, you're losing at least a few weeks there. So, I, I assume we are going to see him in a Toronto Blue Jays uniform. Mm-hmm. And listen, uh, he is a great guy to have around. People like him. He can play every position. He's got good bat-to-ball skills. He's a tremendous base runner. So he's the kind of guy you want to have on a playoff team. But is he the impact guy he used to be? He sure hasn't been this year. Do you think Ross tried to make big moves but couldn't because of his minor league system? No, I, he's he's got well, he's got plenty of talent to do that, and I understand you're probably not talking about trading Gabby Moreno or, or Ricky Tiedemann, but that's where you get creative, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, you don't want to trade them or you don't want to trade their talent away or you don't want to trade a Relvis Martin. I mean, you don't want to trade guys who are going to turn into real guys, but you can make deals for a prospect from another team and a rental player or, and a guy like Ian Happ. I understand not wanting to give up Moreno or Tiedemann for a year and a half of Happ, but, uh, you know, 
know, a, a year and a half of HAP, and I'm completely spitballing here because I don't know that the Cubs would do this. A, a year and a half of HAP and a guy like James Triantos or Kevin mm-hmm. Alcantara for for Moreno, something you think about. Yeah. Something you consider, especially when you've got Alejandro Kirk in the midst of a breakout season. I know he's slumped a little bit lately, but I believe in that bat. I believe in, in the bats of all skills. I believe in just about everything Alejandro Kirk does offensively because it's what he's done his entire career. All he's ever done is put the bat on the ball, hit for high average, and show incredible swing decision skills. And uh, if I have that guy for the next five years, i got to start asking myself, what of Gabby Moreno? Like, as great as he is defensively, as great as he's been with the bat, we have a guy we know right now who is a proven big leaguer all-star starter. So how do I take Moreno at that point and not give him up for just a big leaguer, but bring another prospect potentially back into my system? That's the kind of creativity that is warranted when the market is as slow as it is. And and I think that's the kind of creativity that – we we may be telling ourselves that October was necessary and that they did not do. And listen, the the Jays weren't the only ones. The the Mets had a very similar deadline to the Jays. They mm-hmm. got Michael Gibbons, Daniel Vogelbach, and Tyler Naquin. Like big leaguers, yeah. And and you know, at times rather productive big leaguers, but still role guys, not central guys. And even though the Jays have as many sort of centerpiece guys as any team out there, Bo, Vlad, Chapman, Springer, Pay Oscar, Kirk, Manoa, Gosman. I mean, they are a top-heavy team in a very good way. You can't ever have too many stars. No. You just can't. Uh, just a couple of minutes before we let you run, when the Detroit Tigers were in town here, a lot of us thought that the Jays and Tigers were natural trade partners. I know AJ Hinch, AJ Hinch did as well. He was strongly hinting mm-hmm. that that come and get him, come and get him. Essentially, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, not for yeah. nothing, but come and get him. What happened with Detroit? Did they just did they just place an outrageous value in their relievers? Is it as simple as that? It was outrageous on everyone, on on Tariq Skubal as well before he went out and got hurt. Um, But, you know, they were – this was the wrong time to try and trade guys like Skubal and Soto if the return that Detroit wants is big league now position players, which is what they were asking for because it's a very simple calculus. What contender is going to trade integral pieces to its lineup right now to go out and get pitching help? Mm-hmm. That That's just not something you see teams doing generally. It's stealing from their lineup or from their everyday position pool right now to, to go and improve their pitching, unless their pitching is just so god-awful that, you know, they, that it's, you know, untenable practically. Mm-hmm. So, uh, could, could the Jays trade from their – yeah, they could trade Moreno. Right. Do you want to trade Moreno for relievers? Hell no. That's not something that you do. Yeah, and uh, George Springer's status as well probably entered into the availability of you – know, yep. perhaps the availability no of a guy like Teoscar Hernandez. You're not going to do that if you're if, if George Springer's 
Yeah, Detroit's not going to – I mean, Teoscar Hernandez, Teoscar's too close to free agency. Detroit wants, you know, pre-arbitration position players. They – I mean, would would Santiago Espinal be someone who could be of interest to them? Yeah, potentially. Like, he's – you know, he's not not young, but uh, he's young in terms of time he spent in the big leagues. And uh, he's someone who could have been appealing. But if you're the Jays, do you want to trade him right now? No. Jeff, really good of you to join us. Thanks so much, man. As always, be well. Have a great weekend. Pleasure's mine, boys. Take care. Take care. Jeff Passon of ESPN. That that is an intriguing concept. Now you know why it didn't happen? It makes a lot of sense. It it does. It makes a lot of sense. And, uh, yeah, it's... uh, The the Cubs are really puzzling. Yeah. you know, they've got Ian Happ for another year, which is which is fine, and maybe you move him in the offseason, but the Wilson Contreras thing makes no sense to me. And it just it makes me think that it makes me think that that uh that, that Christian Vasquez deal just had a trickle down effect mm-hmm. on on things. Um but anyhow, the uh trade deadline is passed. We'll see what happens with Jackie Bradley Jr. He has been DFA'd. Seems to be a perfect fit here. Oh, I don't know if you went out and brought your Bradley Zimmer jersey. No, I'm sorry. We'll be back tonight with uh, Blue Jays talk following the Jays Twinkies game. We will be back here tomorrow from 10 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590 to fan the Sportsnet Radio Network, Sportsnet 360. And as always, you can get us wherever you get your favorite podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe. Have a great day.